This is the Business English Podcast, episode 33. The one question that all successful people ask themselves and how you can ask it too. Welcome to the Business English Podcast from All Ears English. Get the English skills you need to achieve your dreams in global business. For a presentation, a meeting, or your office party, this is Real Business English with your favorite American hosts, Lindsay and Michelle, coming to you from New York City and Colorado, USA. Hey, Christy, how are you doing today? Hey, Lindsay, I'm awesome. <laughs> how are you doing? Excellent. Thank you for asking. I am here and I'm excited to chat with you today about a topic that, you know, I find so inspiring. Yeah. Yeah. So the other day we had Laura Garnett on the show and she told us about this concept of the zone of genius. That's cool. Right? So that was episode 220. So I've always thought about the concept of intelligence as being so narrow, right? So conceptual intelligence. Mm -hmm. But what if we define Do you want to tell the, the audience what conceptual intelligence means? Oh, that's a good <laughs> point, right? So your traditional way of thinking about intelligence, right? Einstein type of intelligence. That I think is what we – how we define intelligence. But – intelligence can be looked at so differently, mm -hmm. can it? Yeah, there's been a wider view of what makes someone smart, like emotional intelligence and creative intelligence. Exactly. Absolutely. And in episode 220 on Monday, Laura Garnett came on and told us about the zone of genius. Do you want to know the formula, Christy, for the zone of genius? Yes, please tell me. Okay. The formula is it's your innate talent mm -hmm. plus your greatest passion or purpose. So it's the way you do what matters to you the most. Mm. So when we find the convergence point between those two areas, we get our zone of genius. Mm. Yeah. So Christy, do you have any idea what your zone of genius is or any clues? That's a good question. I think that I've been really trying to search into that in the past four or five years. And I think a lot of people in their late 20s can relate to that, trying to understand about themselves, like what do they like to do and what should they do? Um, I think for me, when I took some time off from running Bumblebee Tennis, the tennis school, I, that's almost what I was focused on, like finding my happy place and figuring out what I really wanted. Because before I thought, well, if someone asked me, what do you want to do? I said, I want to start a business. That's what, and I thought that was, that was my thing. But I realized that it's like, what kind of business do you want to start? And in what area? And what do you want, what role do you want to play in that business? And I realized how much more specific I still needed to be. Absolutely. I think we can all drill down into this a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So you started a tennis business in New York. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the hardest things to do is start a, a brick and mortar, a real business like, well, not not an internet business, internet <laughs> businesses are real businesses, of course. But you started a brick and mortar tennis business in New York City. And what was your kind of special passion inside of that? Was it tennis? Or was it helping people get active or get into shape? Or what was it? Oh, that's a good question. And I have to say that the Bumblebee Tennis for me was really a learning process. I learned a lot of what I 
didn't like to do. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, we have to learn that in life. Yeah. Um, and when I, I think, I remember before I started Bumblebee Tennis, we had a, I had a garage sale in Hawaii and we were selling stuff. And when someone bought something for me, that, that moment where somehow I was giving them something good enough for them to give me their hard earned money gave me such a thrill that I think that in its essence was exciting, um, to me to create a business where people actually were willing to buy something from me. Mm, so kind of an exchange of value. Mm-hmm. And what's so maybe that's your passion or your purpose. And what's the way that you do it? What's that innate talent? Is there a, a special way that you exchange value that could where we could find your zone of genius here? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I, I thought about it. And I think that um, I'm a big level thinker where I, I can think of all the different parts and how the customer experiences it, how to make sure the, the product gets delivered well, um, how to do the finances. And, and so from a bigger level, I think that's helpful because as an entrepreneur, you, you're kind of ultimately, you are responsible for everything. Of course. Everything. <laughs> so yeah. that was good. Um, and then the side story is that, um, I think we can also f- often get insights about our zone of genius by asking other people. Yes. Uh, yeah. Do you have any experience of that, Lindsay? Yeah. So I think one of the things that Laura said in 220 is go out and ask people that you've worked with, guys, you can do this. Get on the phone, send an email to your former colleagues and ask them how they experienced you mm. and how you how they felt as a result of interacting with you. But mm. for me, I think that my zone of genius might be um, I think teaching is a passion mm. and development, developing, helping people develop themselves and live a better life is my purpose. Mm-hmm. And the way I do that is by inspiring. It's not by drilling grammar rules or having people repeat pronunciation. It's about inspiring mm. them, right? Mm-hmm. So we we find the two, how they come together. And for me, I think that that is my zone of genius. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we want to encourage our listeners to go out today, guys, and try to see if you can figure out your zone of genius in life and also within learning English. Yeah, I think that's good. Almost like your zone of genius with communication, because everyone has, you know, within um, a certain area, so maybe communication, there's something you could do really well. Like maybe, maybe there's somebody who doesn't have perfect English, but they make the person feel comfortable through their facial expressions, you know. Uh, Ooh, that's a good one, Christy. Communication is more than just words. It's uh, body language. It's tone of voice. It's your cues mm. of smiling and laughing. And someone could yeah. just um, totally get what you're saying or totally be attracted to talking to you even without having perfect English. Oh, I just want to highlight what you just said, Christy, because I think our audience needs to hear that. Guys, you know that at All Ears English, we are not about connect. We're not about perfection. <laughs> we're, we're about connection. And a big part of connection is what Christy just said, you know, smiling, tone of voice, facial expressions, supporting the other eye person, mm-hmm. eye contact. So maybe what you do as a genius within English, mm-hmm. guys, is that. It's more the interpersonal side and maybe that's okay mm-hmm. if you don't have perfect grammar. Maybe you want to focus more on the eye contact, on the facial expressions, on the laughter and supporting the person you're listening with, listening to. I like yeah. that. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. 
Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. Yeah, so it's definitely helpful. I mean, if anything, one thing about communication and is smiling. (laughs) Smiling is like the best thing. And there's people where I've just, they've just smiled at me. And I haven't even said much to them or they didn't even speak much English, but I like them. (laughs) (laughs) I know everyone likes a smile. And I wonder if that's the the same across cultures, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes I wonder, you know, I know that here in the U.S. we we love smiles, right? So the default, if if something isn't going well, we can just smile and it works. And I don't know. What do you think, Christy? Do you think it's the same across cultures around the world? Do you think the smile is like the universal sign of peace? Um, I think it definitely could be. It, it could be. And so it's like, I just, I think for, um, English learners and people learning something difficult, it's probably easy to express maybe you're in an anxiety about how you're speaking. Um, mm-hmm. and maybe you're not smiling or, you know, you're seem unsure. Um, but instead, focus on like when the English partners that you do have, focus on the positive things they've told you about your interaction with them so that naturally you can smile and feel good and it can come out in your conversation. Absolutely. And especially if that smiling aspect or that interpersonal aspect is part of your zone of genius, mm-hmm. right? So coming back to this concept, you know, one thing that I mentioned to Laura uh, on Monday was that, you know, w- ever since we were in school, like we were kids, we've always been told, oh, you're weak in math, so you should improve mm. your math skills. Mm-hmm. But this is a whole different idea, right. isn't it, Christy? It's not about improving your weakness. It's about amplifying mm-hmm. your strengths. Mm-hmm. And I just find that that's so free. Yeah, that's true. So if you amplify your strengths and you think about that, naturally you feel good overall. And I think you bring up your other maybe weaker points. And that could be the same for when you speak English. I mean, I remember this time I, um, went, I was in China, I was learning Chinese. Um, Oh, cool. Yeah, and I got drunk, and they said I spoke the best Chinese ever. <laughs> oh, so your inhibitions were lower. Yeah, so it always was, helps to have a few beers. Exactly. So I wasn't focusing. I was, oh my god, I said that wrong. I just let go because I was feeling good. And if you know, if I was Absolutely. focusing on maybe my zone of genius for like my language, because um, there's certain things I was decent at with my language. Um, maybe I would have spoken better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think that's really true. You know, inhibition is something that we talk about a lot in this show and that really inhibits, you know, uh, holds people back from succeeding in English. And I just want to highlight, you know, thinking about the most successful people in the world. This morning, I was thinking about Robin Williams, right? Mm. So he passed away about what, about a month ago, two months ago. That was really sad. And But, you know, I was thinking about his career. So Mm. if you guys don't know Robin Williams. He is just, he was a phenomenal comedian. Mm-hmm. Um, an American guy. He played, what, what movies was he in? Bird Do you remember, Cage. Oh, Birdcage. Um, Mrs. Doubtfire. Oh, that was a good was- one. Mrs. Doubtfire. Um, Jumanji. Wait, what's that? Jumanji. Jumanji. Uh-huh. Yeah. Which, by the way, was filmed in my hometown. Oh, Thank you very okay. much. <laughs> <laughs> so he was phenomenal, world class. Why? 
because he knew what his zone of genius was Mm -hmm. and he acted and he lived inside of his zone of genius when he around the time that he passed away i saw a lot of interviews with him you know um just in his element Mm -hmm. just throwing jokes constantly not holding back not fearing who he really was but stepping into it Mm -hmm. stepping into the zone of genius so we're just here today guys to encourage you we didn't want to pass over this topic so quickly because i think that this is the key to success in english and in life and in business so we want to encourage you guys to find your zone of genius not just within how you learn English, but also in life and in business and in your career. Don't be afraid to do it. Investigate yeah. it. Yeah. And can I add in, um, to, yeah. um, when you search for that zone of genius, for me, what I found is I had to put myself in situations where I didn't think I was so good at things and mm. ask myself if I wanted things that people might have told me are impossible and, and strive mm. for it and actually people tell me I was lost and not have validation oh. for a long time because I was searching. Um, lots of times your zone of genius is not in your zone of comfortability. Uh, have comfort, not right? a, a zone of validation, not a zone of familiarity. Mm. Um, and so if you feel afraid when you try to do something unsure, you might be on the right track. And that's what the case Ooh. for me. I'm still figuring it out. Um, but you have to Ask yourself, maybe that could happen. And then you're, you're going to be, oh my God, that's so afraid. Why would I think that? But keep going with it. Oh, I like that, Chrissy. I like that. So if you feel afraid, it's not, it doesn't mean that you're on the wrong track. Mm -hmm. It might mean that you're on the right track. I like that. That's the perfect point of advice to end on. So guys, I want to know, we want to know at All Ears English what your zone of genius is. So I want you to come over to allearsenglish.com slash genius. That's G, that's G E N I U s and let us know let's have a conversation Mm. i'll see you guys over on the blog and thanks for joining us again today christy this has been super fun thanks see you on the blog take care thank you for listening to business english a podcast just for you the high achieving global professional want more from all ears english Don't miss our biggest and best podcast with 8 million monthly downloads. Just search for the All Ears English podcast and hit follow to get four new episodes per week on fluency, American culture, grammar, and so much more. Or tap the link in the show notes. Remember, we believe in connection, not perfection when it comes to learning English. Follow the All Ears English podcast now. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, 
according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 